Hey everyone! The following episode contains material such as murder and sexual assault. If these subjects are triggering for you or there are children around, please proceed to a different episode. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening. We hope you have a beautiful week. And remember, be kind and stay weird. This is the What If I Told You podcast, a show where we sometimes tell you the worst stories ever. Today is that day. Today is kind of the worst. Yeah, it is. It's it's the worst of the worst, I think. I think statistically, it is the worst. It's going to be a wild ride. Yeah. Sheer, just based on sheer volume. Yeah. It's gross. It's real gross. So pay attention to that listener discretion at the beginning there. Yeah. Really think twice about it. Yeah. So it's Saturday. It's raining. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're back. And here, I'm really excited for today's episode. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to do this thing after we get through the best part of the episode. Yeah. We've got some business to handle before we get into the actual topic. Some very important business. Very important business. Um, First of all... (laughs) (laughs) We were just talking about how, since we're from the Midwest, we do not have an accent, which we technically do, but we just don't. Yeah. So that was needed. (laughs) (laughs) I watch a lot of Jersey Shore. Oh, <laughs> I, yeah, same. I just, I just think of that scene, like the first episode where Dina comes in in season three mm-hmm. and she's fighting with Sammy and she's like, first of all, second of all. <laughs> Why can't I talk like that? I don't, I don't know. It's We're lame as fuck. <sighs> I'm sorry, you guys. I'm sorry we don't have an accent. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So, on a more serious but happy note, ha- we're going to say, I, I looked this up specifically because I wanted to get it right, Ramadan Mubarak, I Ooh. think is how it is pronounced. Please correct me. For any of our listeners who celebrate Ramadan, it begins Monday at sundown, so mm-hmm. the day of our release at sundown. All of our Muslim listeners are going to be celebrating Ramadan, so... Hell yeah. Have a blessed Ramadan. My hands smell like hash browns. Well, if you're going to be celebrating Ramadan, you got to take care of that. Because it's about fasting. Oh, yeah, you're right. During, like, um, the part of the day when the sun is up, they fast. Mm -hmm. So they eat two meals a day, so before sunrise and after sunset. Oh, wow. They will have their meals for the day. That's very interesting. It is a month long, I believe. 
So I did some research because of my calendar. It obviously marks the first day of Ramadan. So I wanted to do some research to see exactly what they did and Mm -hmm. kind of what it was for. It's kind of knowing your blessings and kind of restarting revitalizing and all of that kind of thing so it's a very like celebratory holiday so yeah happy ramadan to all y'all yep that's some cool shit yep we went to ihop this morning and it gave me life honestly it was everything i needed it to be (sighs) so good although i think they're missing my omelet yeah i just don't know where it went so, I mean, their menu used to be like 47 pages, and right. now it is the front and back yeah. of a sheet. So they have definitely lost some things. It's just so disappointing. Yeah. So I had to order like a makeshift Denver omelet. It was still delicious. The hash browns were delicious. Yeah. I had a French toast combo. Mm-hmm. I can't ever just order French toast or waffles or anything because that's not balanced. That's not balanced. I need some savory. Yeah. So the combo means that I could get French toast, but I can also get eggs. Right. And hash browns. And hash browns. So God, I love hash browns so much. Me too. They're probably the best part of the breakfast, even though I ate all of my eggs and didn't eat all of my hash browns. Yeah, I was a little disappointed. I know. I'm not going to lie. I know. I was, I did consider putting them in the box to bring them home, but I didn't want my mm. French toast and my hash browns to mingle. Yeah, and there was already ketchup on them. There, yeah, there was ketchup on them. They were ruined. Yeah. I mean. Ruined, meaning they could not be in the box with the French toast. Right. I could have reheated them if I would have gotten their own box, and I would have eaten them just fine. Yeah. Uh, Dakota always gives me shit about putting ketchup on my hash browns. Don't tell me he's out here eating dry-ass hash browns. No, he puts his egg on his hash browns. Okay, but I mean, I still think it needs a little something. Yeah, or like hot sauce. I love hot sauce on my breakfast. Now, if I'm having like eggs, bacon, and toast, there's no hot sauce in the picture. But omelets, scrambled eggs, there's hot sauce. Yeah, Dakota puts hot sauce on almost everything he eats. I mean... Ever since I got pregnant with Caden, that's the time in my life that I really started enjoying spicy food. Mm -hmm. I mean, I ate ghost pepper salsa every day of my pregnancy with that kid. That's probably why he hates anything. Like, he doesn't really like tacos. He's kind of getting into spicier things. But yeah, I I fucking love hot sauce, dude. That's probably why my stomach hurts all the time. Yeah, you probably have a fucking ulcer. I mean... Fuck, I might. (laughs) I like spice on specific things, like buffalo chicken. Okay, yeah. I like it to be spicy. Spicy chicken sandwich, Mm -hmm. obviously. My Thai food. But on a spicy chicken sandwich, I really prefer the spiciness to be in the chicken and breading itself and not just the sauce. I have no preference. I I like it on the sauce or in the breading. Yeah. Thai food. I don't want it to be... I usually get medium mm-hmm. when I eat Thai food because I think they have another level of tolerance for spice. Yeah. And so I never get hot. I usually get medium. 
except there was this one place in Kansas that we went to one time called, I think it was called Mai Tai. I'm not sure. I ordered medium. Dakota ordered hot. They tasted the same. I think they gave us too hot because it was beyond edible. Like I couldn't even taste it. Yeah. I could just feel it. That's the same thing that happened to me at Thai Spice. Really? I've only eaten there one time. Okay. But I had ordered like a medium Mm -hmm. and I like spicy things. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not out here eating like fucking Carolina Reaper peppers or anything, but it was so hot. I was like, I can't continue. That's insane. Because I've been there like a lot and I always get medium and it's fine. They must have given you hot. Yeah, they had because I had, I've had the yeah. medium. Yeah. They had to have given you the hot. Anyways. Anyways. We're moving on to a much more specific, very important topic that Maddie would like to bring to everyone's attention and then we'll get into the episode. Yeah. Um, I am having a real struggle. This is like a life struggle. So I've been chewing stride gum since... Definitely since high school. A, a specific color and flavor of stride gum. I chew the stride, the peppermint stride gum in the blue package. Mm-hmm. Don't give me spearmint anything. That shit's the worst. The blue peppermint stride gum is the gum I've been chewing for at least 12 years. Yeah, I mean, and this was even a struggle a couple of years ago. I can no longer find it anywhere. Where did it go? I still have a few packs of mm-hmm. dried gum in my purse and stuff. I'm trying to ration it because Just, like, it's... cut them in half. Yeah. Microdose your gum, if you will. I might have to get on eBay and see if people are, like, hustling. Black marketing Black marketing shit. some stride gum. <laughs> but I got a pack of Orbit gum for my desk at work. Because I'm a gum chewer. I don't like mints because I feel like mints leave a taste and a residue in your mouth. I get that. But gum doesn't, so I'm a gum chewer, and I'm, I don't like when my mouth tastes bad. That yeah. seems like an obvious statement to make, but <laughs> I don't feel like some people feel that way. Feel that way. I mean, that's that's evident in some cases. It is really evident. I'm really conscious about what my mouth tastes like, and I'm assuming if it tastes weird, it smells weird. Yeah. So I'm I'm chewing gum. And I drink a lot of coffee, mm-hmm. and coffee breath is second only to cigarette breath mm-hmm. as being the worst. Yeah, and especially, like, coffee breath, just, like, throughout the day, coffee breath. Yeah. I'm grossing myself out. Yeah, it's really terrible. We're moving on. So, I chew gum a lot, and I got this Orbit gum, and first of all, it tastes fine. I love Orbit. It's fine. it doesn't last as long the gum gets much more hard Mm -hmm. than stride and that's why i like stride is because i can it has the flavor much longer it's consistent and it doesn't get tough Mm -hmm. i feel like the orbit gum gets tough and also the packaging is awful i went to pull out a piece this pack is like full and it just pulled the whole shit out yeah and i was like this is unacceptable. You've been around for goddamn ever. Get your <laughs> shit together. Why is it so difficult to pull a piece of gum out of the package? <laughs> I swear, I was having a, ver- a 
borderline having a breakdown at work the other day <laughs> over some gum. So if you guys have any blue stride <laughs> gum on hand, please send it to us. Please forward it. It's really affecting me. We'll get a P.O. box specifically for stride gum drop-offs. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie's got to get her fix. Uh, I, it's like my only vice. I don't smoke. I don't really drink. I don't do drugs. Coffee and gum are my thing. Coffee things. and gum. That is it. And now I can't even find my gum anywhere. Oh, I, you're going to have to start it. doing drugs. Shit. <laughs> What drug should I start doing now? I'm not really into uppers, so. Oh, man. That shit's rough. I know. <laughs> I really hope this passes easily for you. <laughs> uh, I'm here for you when you need me. <laughs> Although I cannot replace dried gum, I will try my best. Yeah. Uh, Chip's Corner today, he, he told me that I, in fact, was a nerd. Because I'm an online gamer now. And that's fine. High praise. Yeah, I feel fine about it. So yeah. I mean, you already read fantasy novels. That that's enough. Yeah, I mean I don't know. I just it's cool. I'm fine with being a nerd. Yeah. I've always kind of uh I've read Harry Potter since like age eight, so I've been <laughs> been a nerd a while. There you go. So can I just tell you that when I tell people that my foot tattoo is a Harry Potter tattoo, I still to this day get weird looks? That's so dumb. When I worked at the state court, I was wearing flats and you could see clearly across the top of my foot it says I must not tell lies mm-hmm. because the fifth book is my favorite. And one of the women, older woman that I worked with was like, she read it. She's like, what does your tattoo say? And I said, it says, I must not tell lies. And she's like, do you struggle with that? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, no, it's from Harry Potter. And she was like, oh. <laughs> do you struggle with that? Yeah, I just whip out my foot whenever I need a reminder. <laughs> One of the weirdest conversations. Like, I feel like if I saw something on someone like that, a quote that didn't fully make sense to me when I read it, I I would assume that's from something or it's – that does not mean what it says. Yeah. That has some other meaning to it rather than face value. Right. She just thought I was a fucking liar. (laughs) (laughs) Just – Putting it out there for the world to see also. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just, hey, be on your guard, people. That's hilarious. Yeah. It was so weird. Well, in preparation for today's episode, I was listening to a three-part series that the Morbid podcast put out in, like, mid-2020, and they're a Pretty big yeah, they are. true crime podcast. They're always on the list when you get on Apple's, like, browse page. Yeah. So they actually mentioned Gabriel Fernandez in one of those episodes. Mm-hmm. They did say that they're not going to cover his case, which they're covering this fucking case. I don't think 
yeah. it would be a problem to cover Gabriel's case. People like to split hairs there. It's all fucking unpleasant, but yeah, it's more important to cover Gabriel's case than to cover the one we're talking about today. Mm-hmm. This one is one everybody already fucking knows. Yeah. But whatever. I do just want to say thank you to Morbid for at least mentioning his name. Mm-hmm. They're still the first big true crime podcast that has actually even just said his name. Right. So shout out to Morbid for at least saying it because they have millions of listeners and maybe some of their listeners have looked him up now and yeah. are... Or watch the Netflix documentary or whatever. The you more, think. Hopefully that happened. Um, the more people that know about the story, the better. Because mm-hmm. we're still like trying to get Gabriel's Law to move. And no updates on it as, as of yet. We have a Google alert for it. So as soon as anything changes, we will know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'll definitely do like many update episodes really on anything like that as we go yeah uh we're trying to stay on top of cases that we've covered that have like a that have developments come up so we can update you guys but we're waiting on gabriel's law but the state of kansas has recently approved adrian's law Mm -hmm. Uh, that actually information came out yesterday So it will require anyone over the age of 18 to be a mandatory reporter. Yeah. It has more strict rules for social workers. So if they do a home visit, they have to actually lay eyes on the child. Yep. As opposed to if no one knocking and no one answers, leaving a note or something like that's not acceptable anymore. They have to lay eyes on the child before they leave the premises. So uh, good job, Kansas. Yeah, for sure. So today... We are talking about a big one. Yeah. We got John Wayne Gacy, the killer clown himself. That is right. It's really a great little story to be telling on this rainy day. Yeah. I love it. I'm getting very much like fall Halloween-y vibes here. Yeah. And now I'm real sad. That it's April. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess this could be considered like my birthday episode. That's true. Oh, yeah. It'll come out on my birthday. It is coming out on your birthday. Emily's going to be 16. Yep. I'm super excited to get my first (laughs) car. (laughs) She really hopes to pass her driver's test. Yes. So. I really want to look at the date on my driver's license because I don't i thought it was seven years yeah i'm gonna i'm turning 27 why would my driver's license be expiring the last time it expired was when i was 21 yeah maybe it's not expiring maybe it's next year did they make a mistake maybe i don't know so before we really get into the details of this horrible terrifying story We are going to go through the names, age, and disappearance dates of his known victims because there are still eight that are still unidentified. Right. So this is a long list of known victims. So just keep in mind, there's eight more. Yeah. There's 
33. 33 in total. 33 in total. So I'm going to run through these, starting with name, stating their age, and then the date of their disappearance. Timothy McCoy, age 18, January 3rd, 1972. John Butkovich, age 17, July 21st, 1975. Daryl Sampson, age 18, April 6th, 1976. Randall Reffitt, age 15, May 14th, 1976. Sam Stapleton, age 14, mm. May 14th, 1976. So that's two on the same day. And there's there's lots happening in 1976. Yeah. Michael Bonin, age 17, June 3rd. 1976. William Carroll, age 16, June 13th, 1976. Rick Johnson, age 17, August 6th, 1976. Kenneth Parker, age 16, October 25th, 1976. Michael Marino, age 14, October 25th, 1976. Gregory Godzik, age 17, December 12th, 1976. John Sizek, age 19, January 20th, 1977. John Prestige, age 20, March 15th, 1977. Matthew Bowman, age 19, July 5th, 1977. Robert Gilroy, age 18, September 15th, 1977. John Mowry, age 19, September 25th, 1977. Russell Nelson, age 21, October 17th, 1977. Robert Winch, age 16, November 10th, 1977. Tommy Bowling, age 20, November 18th, 1977. David Talsma, age 19, December 9th, 1977. William Kindred, age 19, February 16th, 1978. Timothy O'Rourke, age 20, June of 1978. Frank Landingen, age 19, November 4th, 1978. James Mazzara, age 21, November 24th, 1978. And the last one on the list of known victims is Robert Peast. Age 15, December 11th, 1978. I know that was a lot, and that was probably very boring, but it's very important to state all of that. Yeah, we gotta. So, we have to start up front with the victims, because the rest of the story really is about John Wayne Gacy himself. Yeah, yeah. And it just doesn't seem right to not state the names and ages yeah. of the people he killed. And then especially when you're throwing out the date of disappearance, it really shows how much killing happened in a very short amount of time. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah. And I mean, there were those couple of groups where there were two in one day. Yeah. And like the gaps in here, there are some gaps, but you also have to remember that there are eight victims that are unidentified and potentially even 
victims that haven't been found and Mm -hmm. aren't even on the list. Right. So, I mean. Disgusting. Disgusting. Let's talk about John Wayne Gacy himself. So, he was born March 17th, 1942 in Chicago. His parents were John Gacy Sr. and Marion Elaine Gacy He was the middle of three children. He had an older sister and a younger sister. He was actually really close with his mom and both of his sisters, but had a really tumultuous relationship with his father. Shocker. Of course he did. I mean, that's kind of the way of the road with these people. I think every single serial killer we've covered had a weird relationship with either their mom or their dad. Yeah. One of the two. Like Ed, sure. Ed Kemper was his mom. Mm-hmm. Bob Rodello was his dad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come on. So his father was an alcoholic and he would abuse Gacy and call him homophobic names. He would often call him like a mama's boy because his mom would try to step in and kind of defend Gacy. And so his dad would call him a mama's boy or a sissy. That's so stupid. That's so stupid. Um, And his father was physically abusive. I don't, you know, it didn't ever really go into details about, I'm sure his father just, you know, did the typical abusive things like hit him and stuff. Yeah. I mean, which Um, isn't good. Not good, but I don't think he did any weird things. Yeah. Gacy was overweight as a child. He had a heart condition and this prevented him from actually like participating in any kind of sports or Mm -hmm. being very active. So I'm sure that had an impact on him being overweight. Yeah. It's kind of like Bob Berdella. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Weird. Very weird. He also wasn't like, he wasn't necessarily a popular kid at school, but he wasn't really bullied. I don't think. Yeah. He got along fine with his classmates for the most part. And his teachers seemed to like him fairly well. Can I just say, as a mom of two boys, like, telling stories of serial killers that had, like, completely pretty much normal childhoods outside of bad relationships with their parents, like, kind of terrifies me. Yeah. I know. (laughs) It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. But at age 11, Gacy was actually hit in the head, again, with the head injuries. Mm -hmm. He was hit in the head by a swing. And this caused a blood clot to form in his brain. God damn. I know. What the hell? I feel like I have been smacked in the head by a swing so many times in my life. Yeah. Now I'm going to think about that the next time Is my boys swing- are around a swing. Was this swing made of concrete? It must have been. But they didn't actually find the blood clot right away. Ooh. So he it happened at age 11 and they didn't discover the clot until he was 16 and began experiencing blackouts. The damage caused in five years from a blood clot in your brain? Yeah. I Holy don't... shit. Yeah, it didn't... He was given medication and the clot was dissolved. No reports of him having any type of reaction other than the blackouts to the clot. Yeah. So I don't know if it was maybe in a part of the brain that wasn't necessarily affecting his mental health or his mood. Yeah. Or anything, because there was never a report about him being, like, out of control or having episodes of 
I don't know, like psychosis or whatever. Yeah. Like no reports of anything like that. So I don't know. Like he wasn't out there like killing kittens. Yeah. He wasn't doing anything like that. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't having fits of rage. He wasn't having like seizures. So I don't know. It didn't say obviously. And if it did say what part of the brain it was in, I would have zero idea what that even meant. That's true. But it seemed to not have lasting effects on his brain. And that's crazy. Which is crazy. The brain is a wild thing. Yeah. So he did end up attending four different high schools and then eventually dropped out. I don't know why. I don't think his family moved a hmm. lot. That's so a weird. That's that's odd. He decided to move west and got to Vegas where he was working or you know around vegas doing whatever you do there probably in a restaurant is my guess maybe but he ran out of money he managed to scrounge up enough to get back to chicago and parents let him move back in i think he moved out because of the relationship with his father that would make sense but his father let him move back home after vegas he never went back to finish high school, but he did enroll in Northwestern Business College and eventually graduated. Now, this I tried to look into and never got a real solid answer. Yeah. I don't know if he actually got a GED instead of finishing high school, but if he went to a business college, mo- almost every single college whether it's like a tech college or a four-year or Mm two-year, they require you to have a GED or a high school diploma. Right. So I'm guessing he had to have gone and gotten the GED. That's what I'm going to assume. It's not specified. It's also not specified what degree he received from the business college. I don't know if he got an associate's, a bachelor's, a certificate of completion, or anything like that. I don't know. Yeah. Um, But he did graduate, whatever that means. And shortly after he graduated... From the business college, he got a position with Nunbush Shoe Company as a management trainee. And in 1964, when he finished the training, he was transferred to one of their branches in Springfield, Illinois. And he managed that shoe store. Right. So while he was working at the shoe store... Him and one of his co-workers, Marilyn Myers, started dating, and then they eventually got married in September of 1964. (laughs) So that didn't take very long. Mm -mm. Gacy then became active in political organizations, including the Springfield, Illinois chapter of the Jaycees. I think the Jaycees is a group of business owners, businessmen who do political things within the the town and that sounds lame it sounds really boring but as we will find out they weren't that boring (laughs) (laughs) uh anyways he actually rose up to the position of vp in the jc's by 1965 so dude's on a roll yeah in his adult life yeah his wife's family owned a group of KFC franchises, actually, and hired Gacy to manage the Waterloo, Iowa location. And then so Gacy and his wife, Marilyn, then moved to Iowa. 
Yeah, which funny thing about him managing this KFC location, he made his employees at the KFC location call him the colonel. They talked about this on the Morbid podcast. They did the three-parter on Gacy. And one of the girls was like, did he originate that? Because I feel... And the answer is no. (laughs) He did not originate the colonel. But she was like, oh my god, what if he originated that? We should really not be using the term the colonel anymore if he's the one that came up with it. Could you imagine like a manager at McDonald's being like, call me Ronald McDonald? (laughs) I would be like, I need to see your basement, sir. With the authorities. I need to get the fuck out of this McDonald's. Because this is not okay. Has anyone disappeared around you lately? (laughs) (laughs) So when they were living in Waterloo, Gacy and his wife had two children, a son and a daughter. And Gacy was again involved in the JCs, rising again in the ranks to become outstanding VP. I don't know what that means. I I don't know. A VP with like a gold star. Yeah, sure. Whatever. But um, this is when shit starts to get weird. It does. So the the JC scene here in Waterloo had like a super seedy underbelly and that involved a lot of pornography and sex workers and drugs and alcohol. And so Gacy began cheating on his wife regularly. And also in the new Peacock docuseries, which I haven't watched yet. I've watched half of. But I'm sure it's good as fuck. It's good. Gacy's sister actually talks about him and Marilyn being swingers, which, I mean, it's not a big deal. No, to each their own, right? I mean, the only reason it's a part of the story even is because... There is a sexual element to all of his crimes. So right. it's just kind of setting up that he has he has a thing. A, a certain sexual fetish. Right. It, you know, yeah. Or maybe addiction to sex or something. Yeah. But it also the pornography aspect of the JC's situation, these people would like have a party and watch porn together. Yeah, that's too much i mean porn is like fine Mm -hmm. tons of people watch porn it's completely normal just not a group of grown businessmen watching it together why yeah who wants to watch porn together that makes me feel like so cringy i know like it's one thing to watch it with like your partner right obvious for obvious reasons but To just hang out with your pals and, like, watch porn? That's weird. It's a little weird. (laughs) I mean, if you're listening and that's something you do, I mean, I mean, sorry, but that's a little weird. Yeah, I'm, you know, if you're offended by us saying that that's weird, I think you need to evaluate some things because if I invited you to my house and you walked in and I was just like, hey... You're like, I'm going to put some popcorn in for the porn. We're going to watch some porn. (laughs) You would be like, gotta go. (laughs) Maybe don't call me. I'll call you. (laughs) Oh, shit. For real. Anyways. So this is where it gets a little uncomfy. 
this is where the uh, the listener discretion really kicks in. So, yeah. I mean, seriously, if you're listening to this with some kids around or, you know, this sort of thing makes mm. you feel uncomfortable, please just stop listening now. Go listen to fucking Skinwalker Ranch or something. Yeah, it's much more lighthearted. So, at this time, Gacy also created a sort of, like, basement hangout club spot which mm. is red flag <laughs> um actually where he could invite like young men and underage boys to come drink watch some porn and then gacy would make sexual advances on them of course <sighs> jesus in 1968 Two boys aged 15 and 16 actually accused Gacy of sexually assaulting them. And, of course, he claimed that he was innocent, but tried to hire a third teen boy to attack one of the victims. Mm -hmm. And the third teen confessed it all to police and Gacy was arrested and charged. Yeah. And I think it's important to note here in this incident that until... The third teen boy confessed that Gacy hired him to beat the victims up. The police were not going to charge Gacy. Right. Like, in the docuseries, when asked about this, Gacy said that that the sex was consensual between him and these boys, which they're 15 and 16. They cannot consent. Nope. But the police were just believing that Gacy was innocent when he said originally that he didn't do it. And they were just going to be like, all right, cool. Peace. Yeah. But then this other guy came forward as like, uh, dude paid me to beat them up. So yeah, that's when he was charged. So police almost dropped the ball on this. Holy shit. So yeah, he was convicted of sodomy and was actually sentenced to 10 years in prison. Which at the time was a lengthy prison sentence for something like sexual assault. Yes, that's very lengthy. Because back in the day, they kind of didn't take sexual assault cases very seriously. Yeah. yeah. Which is disgusting. That is disgusting. His wife actually filed for divorce and took the children while he was in jail. I mean, I don't fucking blame her. Yeah. Good job, Marilyn. And Gacy never saw either of his children ever again. They are never named in any of the research either. No. Which, of course. Yeah. Yeah. While Gary was incarcerated. Do you say I said Gary? Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I said that and I was like, wait, who's Gary? <laughs> Sorry, Gary. Uh, while Gacy was incarcerated, his father died of cirrhosis. But real kick, I mean, rest in peace. Not that I'm skimming over that. Um, the real kicker here is that Gacy was actually paroled in 1970 after only serving 18 months. Yeah. Of a 10-year sentence. For fucking sodomy. Disgusting. When he was released, he actually moved back to Illinois to live with his mom, and he managed to keep his criminal record a secret until the police were investigating him for his later crimes yeah so fucking a 
See, I think back then, obviously, there was no online database. Yeah. Because there was no online. Right. So everything was paper records, and it was much harder to track people. Yeah. Now, if you get charged with a crime of any sort, it will follow you everywhere. Exactly. They can look it up, like, in a second. But he managed just by sheer inability for these departments to communicate Mm -hmm. to keep his under wraps. So after he was released from prison, he moved back in with his mom, obviously, and he got a job at a restaurant in Chicago as a chef. Uh, Apparently, when he was in prison, he worked in the kitchen, whatever. In the docuseries on Peacock, a lot of it, I think the reason why the docuseries is such a big deal right now is because most of it is interviews of Gacy himself. Yeah. So he talks to these reporters and stuff throughout most of it. Mm-hmm. As At least what I've watched thus far. It's really creepy because he's super normal. Yeah, he kind of is like an, like an Ed. Yeah, yes. Not, not as likable as Ed, but yeah. yes, very much the same. Like, he's having normal ass conversations right with these reporters he's not i don't know he doesn't look like a greasy yeah he's not like a charles manson right like you you look at charles manson and you're like 100 percent that dude is fucked yeah so it's just a, it's very creepy and weird mm-hmm. but he talks about being a cook in prison when he was in prison the first time so he is working as a chef And in 1971, he purchased a house on Summerdale Avenue with the help of his mom. And she and him both moved into the Summerdale home. And this is the house, the house. It came fully equipped with a four-foot deep crawl space. Perf. Perfect. (laughs) Obviously, the crawl space comes up again and again. And I don't think anything is creepier than a crawl space. Yeah. In in the docuseries, you just keep hearing the term crawl space. (laughs) And I just got more and more grossed out. They're just like in the crawl space, in the crawl space, out of the crawl space. And I'm just like, all right. Oh, we get it. I need you to stop. We gotta move past this. We know what's happening. Just stop saying it. So... February 12, 1971, Gacy was actually charged with disorderly conduct because, uh, again, a teenage boy claimed that Gacy had picked him up and tried to force him to have sex. The complaint was dropped because the boy did not appear in court. The Iowa Board of Parole, however, did not ever learn about this, and Gacy was discharged from parole in October 1971, without issue. Jesus. Yeah, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> Obviously, being charged with disorderly conduct for attacking a teenage boy should be a parole violation, and he should have went back to prison. 100%. Uh, but that didn't happen. Nope. So then, again, on June 22nd of 1972, Gacy was arrested again. And charged with battery after another young man said that Gacy flashed a sheriff's badge 
lured him into his car and forced him to have sex with him. Yet again, the charges were dropped. What is happening here? I don't understand. This is ridiculous. So that same month, June of 1972, Gacy marries his second wife, Carol. How Carol didn't realize that Gacy had gotten arrested for raping a teenage boy, I will never know. Carol. Carol seems to not notice a lot of shit. Yikes. Yikes. Big yikes. She was actually an acquaintance from his childhood, and she had two daughters. They moved into the Somerdale Avenue house with Gacy and his mom after they got married. So, that was 1972. Flash forward three years, and we're at 1975. Gacy, at this point, has started his own contracting business called PDM Contractors. So, they did construction work. They they did a lot of... You know, your typical remodeling shit, painting, whatever. And he would hire exclusively young men and teen boys to work for him. Alrighty. A lot of people assumed that it was because he could pay them less than actual carpenters. But let's be honest. A lot of these boys and young men became later victims. So Mm -hmm. clearly... He was just surrounding himself with prey. Yeah, absolutely. Duh. I mean, obviously, hindsight, the people who were around him at the time thought he was a real stand-up chap, so Mm -hmm. they just assumed, oh, he can pay them less. Yeah. All right. He clearly had a victim type. Clearly. Young boys. It was around this time that his marriage to Carol was going downhill. He reportedly told her that they were just no longer going to have sex. Alrighty. And he started going out at all hours of the night, bringing young men home. Carol also found gay porn. She found wallets and IDs of young men in their house. Come the fuck on. That, if, if you find a wallet with the ID of young men, multiple wallets, but... Those people are not at your house and you just keep finding them? Yeah. Wouldn't you ask some questions? I mean, I would either ask some questions or just straight up get the fuck out of there. Yeah. Seems weird. Yeah. They did eventually get divorced in 1976. But, you know, we all know that he's storing bodies in the crawl space. She did notice the smell. And she would ask, like, what is this fucking smell? And he just told her it was, like, sewer leak in the crawl space. So it was just, like, water. And so he put lye down there and hopefully get rid of the smell. I don't think the smell ever went away. Honestly, if my house started smelling like the dead, (laughs) I'd be like, hey, smells like someone died in here. Mm -hmm. Literally. Yeah, and if your partner wouldn't be the one to try to fix it, I'd be calling someone. I'd be side-eyeing some people. Yeah. Oh, that's so gross. Yeah. Ugh. I can't imagine just walking through your house and... We're weird about smells here. Mm-hmm. It Just in general. That's why we have candles everywhere. And Artie was sick, like, for a, couple, like a day. Yeah. And was, you know, throwing up and all of that. 
And we had the carpet cleaner out. We had carpet freshener powder out. All the candles lit. We've got wallflowers plugged in. Yeah. The diffuser going. Bleach. Yeah, no one wants a house to smell. No. Let alone, like, dead fucking human bodies. Yeah. I've never actually smelled I mean, same. Dead. Same. I don't... I can't even... I can't imagine what it would smell like. I've smelled dead cows. Yeah, I've smelled dead animals. Um, And, like, cows especially because they're so large and they, like... Yeah. yeah, it's gross, but um, yeah, I'm sure this. We don't have to talk about Mm-mm. this. No, we're we don't good. Have to, we don't have to talk. We're about moving this. on. Um, yeah, so <laughs> we're gonna move into the actual murders, and because there are so many victims, I mean, we would be here all day long. Um, yeah, yeah. We're not gonna go into like particulars about each one of them, but we will cover enough to like convey the kind of, I mean horrific things that these men and boys. boys suffered yeah so once again this is your your fucking golden ticket to jet on out of here yeah yeah this this isn't like super yeah it's super gross but we I didn't mean, go into the kind of detail like when we did bob Bradella. he had he had six victims so and he did some real fucked up shit yeah we're not that's not how this one is written but it's still very disturbing. Yes. Absolutely. So we are now in July of 1975. One of Gacy's employees, John Butkovic, disappeared and Butkovic had actually recently left Gacy's employee after an argument over back pay that he was owed. And Butkovic's parents urged police to check out Gacy, but nothing ever came of it, of course. Mm-hmm. And his disappearance went unsolved. It did. In December of 1976, another Gacy employee, Gregory Godzik, disappeared. And his parents asked police to investigate Gacy again. And Gacy was one of the last people known to have spoken to the boy. So why... Police didn't, yeah, ask him. And he was—he was their boss, also. You would think right. they would be on the list. They would be on the list at at some point. Yeah, but yeah. So in both of those cases, the police didn't pursue anything with Gacy, and they still hadn't discovered his criminal record. Yeah, January nineteen seventy seven, John Sizek. An acquaintance of Butkovic and Godzik and Gacy disappeared. Mm-hmm. And later that year, another of Gacy's employees was arrested for stealing gasoline from a gas station. And then the car he was driving had belonged to Sizek. Gacy said that Sizek had sold the car to him before leaving town. And the police failed to pursue the matter further. So... The police are doing nothing, even though at this point you have Sizek, Bukovic, and Godzik, who are all three linked to Gacy. All three have disappeared within just a few months, and they're not investigating him at all. Mm-mm. After these disappearances, Gacy had one of his employees, David Cram, dig into the crawlspace. Hmm. 
and because i mean obviously he was running out of room down there yeah crawl spaces aren't big yeah that's why they call it a crawl space not a stand space right yeah and Cram actually lived in Gacy's house in one of the spare rooms. Cram reported a time Cram came home from work and found Gacy drunk and in his and in his clown costume. <laughs> so we haven't talked about the clown shit. No, yet. we haven't. <laughs> it's not like a major part of the story, but you just like come home drunk in your room. You come home from work. And your roommate's just, like, drunk on the couch in a clown costume. <laughs> yeah, so he dressed up as a clown and performed at children's parties. Of course he did. Of course I, he did. I just guess I didn't think I needed to say that. Yeah. I just want to say that in the docuseries, he talks about his clown work. And the way he talks about it is the creepiest thing ever. He calls it clowning. Of course he calls it clowning. He would say, clowning was a way for me to relax. I bet it was. Clown- clowning? Oh, <laughs> uh, I hated every single second of hearing him I talk about it. I gotta watch this now. Now you I wanna really, watch it. You really should watch it. And his clown makeup, let's just say. On point. It's really horrifying. Maybe it's really horrifying because clowns in general are creepy. And also we know that he's killed, you know, enough people to populate two football teams. But yeah, I mean, he looks creepy. I think the serial murder aspect of the clown costume really kicks it up a notch. Yeah. Yeah. So Cram gets home. Gacy's drunk in his clown costume. (laughs) I just can't. (laughs) And they actually have a few few drinks together and then gacy tricks cram into some handcuffs i think this was like a thing he did when he would have victims he would like (laughs) yeah he would myself for the next part of this i know he would like trick people into handcuffs as a part of like oh i'm i do this clown thing (laughs) i'm a clown with handcuffs i don't know how that makes you feel like it's okay to get into the handcuffs i would be like uh uh <laughs> no, I need you no, thank to you. No thanks, John. Six feet, sir. <laughs> Six fucking feet. It would no. But the visual that you get when you read this. <laughs> Gacy, so they have some drinks and Gacy has Cram in the handcuffs. Gacy then starts like growling at Cram and like spinning him around like screaming at him that he was going to rape him but cram actually pushed gacy down and somehow grabbed the key and escaped to his room so he didn't get raped no that uh i would have been like keep all of my things yep i'm just gonna skedaddle yeah david cram actually doesn't move out after this incident yeah and they have another incident later as well that was the cause. Like, I think Gacy shows up at his bedroom door and is Jesus. like, hey, this is this is going to happen. And he, like, hits him and knocks him out or whatever. Yeah. He manages to come to and get out and he leaves. Yeah. Then. After that, that's, the second incident is what caused him to leave. I feel like the first one... 
that one was real bad and I would have probably left, but it was probably one of those situations where he had literally nowhere else to go. Yeah. And I mean, he could have just been like, oh my God, this dude, he is not a good drunk to be around. Yeah. I mean, people do weird shit when they're drunk. No, I mean, obviously, like, none of this is okay, but... He probably did use that to kind of sweep it under the rug a little. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, moving on from Cram, not all of Gacy's victims died. Mm -hmm. In December of 1977, a 19-year-old man complained that Gacy had kidnapped him at gunpoint and then forced him into having sex with him yet again chicago police did nothing Mm -hmm. in 1978 jeffrey rignall was lured into gacy's car chloroformed and taken to gacy's house and rignall was raped and tortured and then dumped in lincoln park police drew a blank but Rignall remembered that through the chloroform haze, it was a black Oldsmobile, the Kennedy Expressway, and some side streets, and that he stalked out the exit on the expressway until he saw the black Oldsmobile, which he followed to 8213 West Somerdale. Police issued a warrant and arrested Gacy on July 15th. So what we have here is Rignall, and from what I remember correctly, the Morbid podcast, is Rignall was very injured. Uh Uh-huh. I mean, Gacy had all kinds of, like, makeshift sex toys and horrifying shit in his house. And Rignall was very injured, and he went to police to report this. And they didn't, I don't know if they didn't know what to do or Mm -hmm. they were like, well, you don't remember, so we can't help you. Yeah. So, and there's no DNA at this point, obviously. Yeah, of course there's not. So he pieced together the very little that he remembered through the drugged haze he was put in and fucking waited and found the car and followed it. Like, he did his own investigation Yeah. to... Get back to Gacy. Mm-hmm. That's badass. That is badass. In his injured ass fucking state. Yeah. He was like, no, this guy has to pay for what he did to me. Mm-hmm. Like, that is determination yeah, for it sure. Is. It is. He was actually facing trial on a battery charge for the Rignal incident when he was arrested in December for the other murders. So now we have Robert... Peast, who was a 15-year-old boy, and he disappeared on December 11th, 1978 from the De Plains Pharmacy, where he worked after school. And just before he vanished, Peast told a co-worker that he was going to a house down the street to talk to, quote, some contractor about a job. Apparently, Gacy had been at the pharmacy that night discussing a remodeling job with the owner, but Gacy denied talking to Peast when the police called him the next day. But the police did what Chicago police failed to do and checked Gacy's record, discovering that he had done time for sodomy. So, wow. 
Mm. It's about fucking time. I mean, it's only been, you know, eight years, nine, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Yeah. No big deal. So later, after the remains were found in the crawl space, Gacy told the police that he would pick up male teenage runaways or male prostitutes off the streets. Very Bob Berdella vibes. Yes. He would take them back to his house with either promising them money for sex or he would just grab them by force. He picked up at least one of his victims at the bus station. And once they got back to his house, he would usually handcuff them or tie them up in some way or the other. And Gacy would often stick like clothing in their mouths to muffle them. I mean, this is all very fucked up. But he would choke them as he sexually assaulted them, and uh, then he would keep the bodies with him for as long as the decomposition would allow him to. God damn. That's fucking gross. So, this is... This brings up the question of how in the hell no one noticed the smell but like Maddie said earlier, um, Carol asked Gacy multiple times and he told her it was something about the sewer. And so then he purchased like a shit ton of lye and put it in the crawl space to try to temper the smell. That's what we used to do with dead cows. Yeah. Um, like they would have to be sprinkled with stuff. Wait for the decomposition and then like removed. Mm-hmm. Very scary as a child. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if you're having sewer line issues under your house, you don't just throw lye on it. You call call a plumber. Yeah. And you say, hey, my sewer lines are messed up. Can you fix them? You would think. But obviously it wasn't sewer lines. Right. So. Fucking A. Gross. So between December of 1978 and March 1979... 29 bodies were found in the crawl space or, I mean, just on his property. 29. That is so many. Good God. The youngest identified victims were 14 years old and the oldest were 21. And eight bodies were so decomposed that they were not able to identify them at all. Yeah. 29 bodies in a crawl space that's maybe it was a long crawl i've never like looked at pictures or anything it does look pretty big yeah and it did say that it was four foot deep he wasn't just throwing them in there it was like burying them in the where is his wife dirt well they divorced in 1976 oh yeah duh so him and so carol was gone at this point but but there were still there some were before. Still some before they were divorced. That's why she was noticing the smell. I mean, I guess she must have been at work. I don't when know. He was dragging bodies into the crawl space. Yeah, and there was one point when they were still married and she was still living there, that he had kept one of the bodies in their closet for like a, an entire day before moving it to the crawl space. So, excuse me. How is there a body in your closet and you just don't notice? I'm sorry. All right. Uh, okay, great. Yeah. 
So, what the fuck, Carol? What's going on here? Maybe she was just doing a lot of drugs or something. I mean, whatever. Whatever. So, now we're going to do the investigation, capture, charge, trial, conviction, timeline. So, it all really started as far back as 1975. The police were searching for someone named John because Chicago teens actually go to the Chicago PD and tell them that a man named John cruised the streets looking for and picking up young men. Officers get his full name and observe many young men going in and out of Gacy's home. Many of these young men were stopped and questioned, but none of them say anything against Gacy. So, I mean, I guess Chicago is just, Chicago PD is just like, well, we can't do anything because none of these people are complaining. January of 1976, there's actually a stakeout happening. Officers surveil Gacy's home, suspecting him of being involved in the disappearance of a nine-year-old boy. However, this did not lead to any evidence against him. So they stop surveilling him. Okay. Yeah. It seems like they're really just not being observant. They're just really not worried about it at all. Yeah. Yeah. They're probably just sitting in their car, like, drinking coffee, shooting the shit, not really paying attention. Yeah. So March of 1977, this is the Jeff Rignall assault. So 27-year-old Jeff Rignall reports that Gacy lured him into his car with weed, chloroformed him, attacked him, raped him, and then let him go. So Gacy was charged with misdemeanor battery. And then there was a $3,000 civil suit settled in this case. So basically, Gacy gets a misdemeanor and pays Jeff Rignall $3,000 and that's it for a brutal fucking attack on him. Yeah. And rape. So Good that's Lord. horrifying. Um, December 31st, 1977, he's arrested and then freed. A 19-year-old reported that Gacy held him at gunpoint and forced him into various brutal sex acts. Uh, Gacy admitted to the sex, but said it was consensual, and the prosecutor decided not to proceed with charges due to lack of evidence. <laughs> Alrighty. December 11th, 1978 is when Robert Peast goes missing. So, Robert Peast was a 15-year-old sophomore, and he worked at a local pharmacy, and this is where he met Gacy. So, on December 11th, he was set to get off work around 9 p.m. His mom was there to pick him up. And he goes out to her car and he says, hey, I'm about to get off, but I need to go talk to this guy about a contract job. And that contractor was Gacy, obviously. And Robert Peace was never seen again. So his mom was just there waiting for him. Mm -hmm. And he just disappears. At 1129 p.m., Elizabeth Peace files a missing person report with the Des Plaines Police Department. Almost immediately. He was probably still alive at the point when she filed the missing person report, honestly. So, December 12, 1978, police want to question Gacy. Lieutenant Kozinsek, I think is how you pronounce it, 
whose son actually went to school with Peace, was determined on an in-depth investigation. Kozenzak discovers that PDM contractors, Gacy's company, had recently remodeled the pharmacy that Peace worked at. So Gacy is asked by the police department to come in for questioning. At 11 p.m., Gacy calls PD and asks if they still want to talk with him. Kozenzak says yes and asks him, like, hey, what time are you going to be here? Mm-hmm. So Gacy tells him he'd be there in about half an hour. Kozenzak waits until 1 a.m., but Gacy never shows up. Police later found out that after the call, Gacy took Peace's body from his attic and dumped him in the Des Plaines River. So... December 13th, 1978, is kind of when our search starts. So around 2 a.m., Gacy's car was pulled out of a snowdrift by a tow truck about 38 miles from where Peace's body was disposed. At 3.20 a.m., he walked into the Des Plaines Police Department covered in mud. Great. He asked for Cousin Zach, but is told to come back later because obviously it's three in the morning. Cousin yeah. Zach is not there. So he actually did return. The police department asked for keys, the keys to his home and showed him that they indeed had a search warrant. He obviously hesitated, not wanting them to go in his house, but mm-hmm. had to comply. While in the house, police found a receipt from the pharmacy that Peast worked at for a roll of film. And the Peace family said it was from a female friend of Robert and he had offered to develop the film for her. I think that's the only real piece of evidence they find the first time they're there. But they go back on December 15th and find other items of other young men. So a day after the police place Gacy under around-the-clock surveillance, a Maine West high school class ring was found in his home and it was linked to John Sizek, a youth that had been missing for two years. So police discovered through employees of Gacy that two young men who had went missing were employees of Gacy. So finally, they're like kind of putting it together. Mm Mm-hmm. On December 19th, 1978, Gacy invites two police officers inside his house for breakfast? <laughs> I'm just confused about this. He he was also he was very brash like there was a, a point in time during their surveillance of him that they follow him to a bar and they go in and he buys them drinks mm-hmm. and like talks with them and hangs out with them at the bar. I mean, that's very brazen. That is. Crazy. So the two police officers go in his house and both of them notice the smell. And both of them report that at one point the heater kicks on and the putrid smell was overwhelming coming out of the vents. Like knocked them down. That's so gross. That's so disgusting. At this point, Gacy has attorneys, and they file a $750,000 civil rights suit against the Des Plaines Police Department 
saying that the officers were harassing their client with illegal searches and seizures and destroying his reputation with their investigation. Okay. December 21st, 1978, while under police surveillance, Gacy is seen handing a package containing marijuana to a gas station clerk. The police follow him and arrest him. With him in custody, the Des Plaines Police and Cook County Sheriff obtain another search warrant and, again, enter Gacy's house. Police accuse Gacy of holding peace there against his will and threaten to tear up the floor to find the teen's body. So Gacy denies that peace is there but says he was forced to kill a man in self-defense and bury him under the concrete floor of his garage. He leads investigators to the garage and with a can of spray paint marks the place on the floor where the body is buried. They also discover the trap door to the crawl space. And there they find the parts of at least three bodies. So now we're at December 22nd, 1978. It's been a very eventful December. It really has. Merry Christmas. Merry fucking Christmas. So at this point, Gacy kind of gives up the facade and confesses. Yeah. Obviously, he knows. It's the, time. The jig is up. Yeah. They have found the crawl space. That's the end of the road. So he tells police he has killed 32 young men after having sexual relations with them. This actually turns out to be 33, but he says 32. He talks of himself in the third person, saying the slayings and the sex acts were committed by, quote, Jack or John. He is John. (laughs) He says he buried the bodies of 27 victims on his property, when in reality 29 were discovered there, and most of them were in the crawl space. Five other bodies, including the body of Robert Peast, were thrown into the rivers of South Chicago. He even draws a diagram showing where the bodies are buried and gives the names of six of his victims. You can actually find photographs of the diagram he drew. It's very disturbing. Thanks. January 8th, 1979, Gacy is indicted with the murders of seven men and also various other felonies for the sexual assault, the disposal of a body, blah, blah, blah. The typical charges that come with the charge of murder. And the state was seeking the death penalty. The charges would eventually expand to include 33 counts of murder, and this was the most in United States history up to that point. Mm -hmm. Gacy would plead not guilty on January 10th, 1979. April 9th of 1979, Robert Peast is identified. Robert Peast's body wasn't found until April, months after his disappearance, and he is thought to be the last victim probably mostly because his mom was fucking on it yeah and the police finally are like uh i think we should investigate this guy (laughs) maybe maybe 
and April 10th of 1979, Gacy's house is demolished. So at this point, they've they've ripped the house completely up. They've gone through the entire crawl space, all of the property. They've found the remains of all of these victims. And now the county is like, we have to get rid of this. Absolutely. So they demolish the house. August 28th of 1979, the judge determines that all 33 counts of murder would be tried in one trial, as it would be too taxing on the system and just simply take way too long to try Gacy on 33 separate cases. Oh, yeah. I mean... Years. Years. A decade. It would be ridiculous. Yeah. So, obviously, it makes sense that they try all 33 murders together. Mm-hmm. On February 6th of 1980, the trial begins. The judge bans anyone under the age of 16 from entering the courtroom due to the graphic nature of the crimes. And Gacy's defense team hopes to get a not guilty by reason of insanity. March 12th of 1980. This is actually very quick. Only a month? That's very quick. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's the time. Yeah. And maybe it's that there's a confession. Yeah. I don't know. It's, yeah. Might, it's, there's there's already been a lot of things that happened before yes. this. So. Yes. So it, it's a very short trial. Why it took two hours of deliberation? Not really sure. Yeah. They, it probably didn't. They probably were just like, we got to make this look good. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. So, after two hours of deliberation, Gacy is found guilty on 33 counts of murder. And then on March 13th of 1980, he is sentenced to death. And the judge sets the execution date of June 2nd, 1980, but obviously it is stayed to go through the appeals process, which is always the case. In any case that is tried and found guilty, and it's a sentence of death or life in prison or whatever... You just, it's always going to go through the appeals process. The only way that something like this would not go through the appeals process is if there was a plea deal. Mm -hmm. If he had pled guilty and agreed to, say he pled guilty in order to get death penalty off the table, then he would not be able to appeal. Mm -hmm. But because he went through trial and was found guilty, he is allowed to appeal. Always. And the appeals process takes fucking forever. Oh my god, it's so long. August of 1982, there are a series of paintings that Gacy does that are sold at the Illinois State Fair. I just don't even understand. (laughs) They were apparently, it wasn't obvious, I think a lot of the inmates created some shit to sell the State Fair. State Fair. To raise money for supplies for the inmates or whatever who's buying a john wayne gacy painting i will never know that's super fucked up and later on i mean i don't know it's like that dude that that uh like bought all of bob Berdella's shop stuff so that is so weird and creepy to me and even later like in the 90s there were People who purchased these paintings for thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. And they said the reason why they bought them was so they could burn them. Keep your coin, sis. Like, why are you doing that? 
keep your coins. (laughs) (laughs) I've been watching way too much RuPaul. Um, Whoa. It's just, it just doesn't make any sense to me to spend thousands of dollars on paintings by a serial killer so that you can then burn them. I think that's an excuse. I think you're just a weird person and you want to have John Wayne Gacy's painting in your house. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't know. That seems like a weird, weird explanation to me. So that's whatever. On June 6th of 1984, the Supreme Court of Illinois affirms Gacy's conviction, which means they uphold the conviction, saying it is sound. And then it moves up in the appeals process to the U.S. Supreme Court. March 14th of 1985, the U.S. Supreme Court denies his appeal. And then we move forward all the way to May 10th, 1994. All appeals are exhausted and Gacy is executed by lethal injection. Obviously, I think we've talked about this in other cases we've we've covered. It's the death penalty itself is controversial and oftentimes problematic, of course. Yeah. But I can't help but feel like if anyone is going to get the death penalty, it's John Wayne Gacy. Mm-hmm. He killed 33 Ugh, rough underage boys and young men. That's yeah. so many people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, tortured them. And he, there are even other victims that didn't die who he raped and tortured. It's just, oh, gosh. When you, like, when you think of John Wayne Gacy, you you don't really think about how terrible his fucking crimes were. No, and honestly, I had never really looked into, into his crimes. I just knew he did the clown thing, and he put some people in the crawl space, and there was the diagram. Like, those are the three things I knew about him, Mm -hmm. and I felt like... I didn't really need to know much more. <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, it's deep. It is. It is. I didn't realize that there were so many victims. Yeah. So crazy. God damn. A lot of victims. Yeah. So I guess the question really is, like, a lot of people have, it's like, was he actually insane? That's what his defense team, like, tried to argue in his trial was that he was not guilty by reason of insanity yeah but just watching one minute of interview with him you know for a fact that even if he had mental issues he was not incompetent absolutely he is completely lucid Mm -hmm. through every interview with him period Mm -hmm. so even if he he clearly had issues he killed 33 people yeah but not Issues in a sense where he did not know right from wrong. Yeah, I mean, most serial killers were all mentally there. Yeah. they knew He knew exactly what he was doing. Yeah. Duh. Absolutely. It was very deliberate. So, you know, obviously the law school standard is the McNaughton rule. Was the person aware of right and wrong when they were perpetrating the crime? If yes, then they're sane legally if no then legally insane yeah i mean it's 
really cut and dry in this case, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So. His final words were, kiss my ass. Okay. Yeah. That was all you could think of? Who are you directing that to, my friend? God. If I was in a position to where someone would probably record my final words, it wouldn't be kiss my ass. Yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe I wouldn't even say anything. Yeah, just stone cold. Stone cold. Like stone cold RBF. That's right. That's it. Give him give him nothing. Yeah. Kiss my <laughs> ass. What a lame. What a loser. Jesus Christ. So, yeah, that's the story of John Wayne Gacy. That is JWG aka clown killer the clown thing did he i don't think he actively killed people in his clown costume though i have no i no i don't think so like that was just like a that was just a thing he did i don't think even none of his victims were young enough to be children from the parties he did the clown thing at i think that's really just like i think being called the clown killer gives the vibe that he was a that he dressed like a clown and then killed people while in clown garb. Yeah. I think the only incident that happened while he was dressed as a clown was the David Graham. Mhm. Yeah. I just keep picturing it in my brain and it's really horrifying. There is a movie like a fictionalized movie of this. I've not watched it. It I popped don't know. up on IMDb. I have not watched it, but I just don't think I want to. I'm just going to keep watching Peaky Blinders. I can't. I just searched. (laughs) Jog Juan Gossi. (laughs) (laughs) Is it called Gacy? I think so. Okay. The budget was only (laughs) $250,000. Oh, no. Who is trying to make a movie about John Wayne Gacy with 250 k Oh, and it was an 03. Can you imagine how terrible that is? Oh, that movie is probably the worst. It actually might be worth watching now that I know it's a really low budget. Maybe I'll watch it now. I like watching really terrible movies sometimes. We have a couple of DVD collections of, like, it'll be, like, a pack of two DVDs. That have like 10 different low budget horror films. <laughs> Let me tell you, true magic. They're yeah. really, really bad, but yeah. like really funny. We haven't watched all of them. I'm trying to think of like the last bad scary movie. There are like, so many. Well, most of them are most, bad. Most They're of them so are bad. disappointing. Yeah. The Nun was probably the last one I watched. And I literally, like when it ended, I like turned my head and looked at Keegan. And he was like, what? I was like, did it just end? Or is this like a like a dramatic black screen? And he was like, I think it's over. And I was like, what in the fuck? I have not seen that one or any of the movies that go with it. We yeah. don't watch a lot of scary movies. I love scary movies, but when you like scroll them, I'm like, yeah, no, yeah, no, 
I was still looking into the Gacy movie. Um, that's literally called Gacy. Uh, the cover is great. Is it him as a clown? I don't know what this is. So yes, it is him as a clown. Um, but it's, I mean, the ang, it, you know, it's, it's very creepy. It's uh, rated four point seven out of ten stars. Really? Yeah. First of all, who is rating out of 10 stars? Yeah, that's just not accurate. 10 stars. Wow. People are, like, actually, like, reviewing this. Hmm. Quotes. What? You never seen a clown before? (laughs) Son of a bitch. What? Does it say where you can watch this at? Um, Watch free on IMBD TV. I bet you can watch that shit on, movie. on Prime. Oh, I bet you can. Um, I'll watch options. Pluto, Tubi, Amazon Prime, Voodoo, Sling. Huh. Well, I have the Woolery's Voodoo sign in. Here's just a little picture, like, from <laughs> your face. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oof. I hate everything about that. That actually really looks like him. Okay, wow. That I that took way too much of my time. Can you imagine your first acting credit being John Wayne Gacy? <laughs> I mean, ooh. Oh goodness. Well, that's it. That's all I can do for today, honestly. I mean, I think that's I think I need to, like... I need to go take a hot shower and lie down. Yeah. But if you want to know where uh, Maddie found all this good shit, it's in our episode description. All of our sources are there. Yeah. And there's quite a few podcasts that cover Yeah. JWG. And, Listen to uh, the Morbid one. I think theirs is good. Yeah. I yeah. haven't listened to that, but... But other than that, you guys should totally follow us on Instagram. We need some more Instagram followers. Yeah. We we need more Instagram followers. Come just, on. Just do it. It's, I mean. I mean, you, you're probably following a shit ton of random things on Instagram at this point. Just add us to your just list. Just add us. It is at what if I told you pod. If you're a Facebooker, what if I told you podcast and um, TikTok. What if I told you podcast? Yeah. The TikTok is lit. The TikTok. I I really need to make another video and post it. I might try and do a voiceover one this time. There you go. So we'll see what there is you go. going on. And as fucking always, the real life magicians, Haley and Ariel, we love you so much. Yep. You both are really magical. Yep, and we hold magic in very high esteem around here. Yeah, so fucking congrats. Yeah. For being so great. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> share the wealth a little, maybe. Gosh, I wish I was creative. Yeah, I mean, I guess writing is kind of creative. Like I, I do that a little, I guess. I'm actually not a bad painter, I had a phase where I painted a lot. I used to think that I was like 
okay, like, doodling. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I am. <laughs> yeah. I'm not the best drawer, but painting is much more fluid than yeah, drawing. That's true. So, you overthink drawing too much. Yes. Painting has a lot fewer limits than drawing. Yeah. So I can, I mean, yeah, paint. You know, we thought we would wrap this episode up with painting talk. Just yeah. to kind of balance out that evil shit yeah. that just happened for a long time. Exactly. If you're an artist and you're doing some painting, we would like to see it. Send us a photo of it. Yeah, we would it love would to see great. that. You could also email us, um, what if I told you podcast at gmail.com. Yes, you absolutely can. And uh, I would love to buy some art. I am so down to buy people's art. I try to support my artist friends all the time. That's um, right. So, you know, maybe after this episode, you should uh, hop off here and go watch some Bob Ross or something. Ugh, I love Bob Ross. Love him. He's the best. So, I think Bob Ross is a perfect end to this episode. He really is. And in true Bob Ross fashion, you guys should uh, be kind to each other. And stay weird. Okay, goodbye. Thank you.